Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. Today we've got Dr. Eric Block with us. And Eric and I were talking recently about some of the opportunities to grow and develop personally and professionally as a dentist that sometimes present themselves in really complex situations. And Eric's got some really valuable perspectives to share, and we'll get right into those. But first, Eric, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and give us some background? Yeah, thanks for having me. So I'm a full-time practicing dentist, and I live and practice in Acton, Massachusetts, which is about 30 minutes west of Boston. And I've been practicing for almost 20 years. And um, I actually didn't expect to become a dentist, even though my dad was a dentist. I went to Tulane as a business major, and I didn't really want to do dentistry. And then I actually broke my front tooth one night at a bar. Uh, I just missed my mouth and hit my uh, front central incisor, number nine, and cracked it in half. Bummer. And um, <clears throat> total bummer. <laughs> I walked around that night with, with half a tooth. And um, the next day, I went to a local dentist in Metairie, Louisiana, and they just patched me up. And I walked in all embarrassed, and I walked out with my smile back. And I just said, you know what? Maybe dentistry is something I can get involved with. And then I started to take the prerequisite classes um, because at the time, I'm not sure about now, but Tulane did not have a pre-dental or pre-medical um, major. So I was a psychology major, and then I ended up taking all the prereq classes uh, kind of on the side over the summer, and I took a year off and actually uh, taught tennis. I took the DATs and took physics. That was my year off, and then I applied to dental school. I ended up going down to Nova Southeastern in Fort Lauderdale. And then after uh, four years of dental school, I did a two-year residency at BU uh, for implants. And that's what brought me back here. Okay. So talk about your residency. Because at that point, you had decided on dentistry. You know that you're into this. What... I know that you and I have talked a little bit about the importance of um, figuring out what exactly you want to do within dentistry. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I finished dental school and I knew that I wasn't ready to go into private practice, um, just clinically and mentally, you know, maturity wise, I wasn't ready. I knew I needed to do something extra. And actually I matched with Tufts GPR, mm -hmm. um, residency. And then I also got into this implant residency at BU and I ended up uh, choosing BU. And I know I remember Tufts got all mad at me because I, I chose BU um, but I knew I wanted to do something and I knew at the time, this is back in, uh, 2002 that, uh, implants, dental implants were going to be the future. And I just wanted to get more involved with dental implants. Um, so that's why I ended up cho choosing to do that particular residency. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I, I actually had a dental implant, so <laughs> I know a little bit about that too, but from the, from a different perspective, I'm sure. Um, Okay. So that's really interesting to me because so you, you're on this track, you know what you want to do. You've found a specialty that you're really interested in. And was it just smooth sailing from there? Uh, I actually think that, you know, some of the least stressful times I had uh, was actually during that residency because I'd already finished dental school. I passed the Florida boards uh, and the Northeast regional board. So I had my dental licenses and I was just learning how to, you know, place and restore implants and bone grafts and extractions. Uh, I don't think the real 
stress of dentistry really hit me until after I graduated and then started to um, get into the real world. And I associated um, for many years in, in uh, uh, various different locations, different types of practices. Um, and, you know, definitely not smooth sailing. It was, um, you know, different, um, some associateships were great, others were not. Um, but it was uh, for sure not smooth sailing. Okay. Can you give an example of a challenge that, I mean, maybe looking back was a good challenge, but something that happened where you knew that um, you were outside of your comfort zone or something just had to, something had to change? Yeah. So there was, um, you know, a point in my career where I was just totally burned out. Um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, me just being a, a people pleaser, an introvert. Mm -hmm. And I was saying yes to everyone. I was saying yes to, you know, every patient, every case. And I started to really get, you know, burned and kind of regretted my place in dentistry after a while. And I feel a lot of it had to do with getting involved with some patients or cases that were out of my comfort zone. Uh, so a patient, you know, whether they were just not a good fit for me or that particular treatment was a little over my head, I was saying yes to everything, you know, early on. And, you know, I get it, you know, I was a young dentist and I wanted to try to do all procedures and I was in debt and needed to make money. Um, but I was sacrificing, you know, my mental, uh, stat state, um, for the sake of, you know, patients. Um, so I really learned, um, through therapy, um, that I had to really take care of myself before I could take care of others. And a lot of times that meant saying no to others, um, which meant, you know, telling patients that, you know, this particular treatment, I'm going to refer you to a colleague or, I just don't feel comfortable working on, you know, you for this. Um, but saying no to others was really like saying yes to myself. And I think that's really important is for dentists to say yes to yourself, not get out of your comfort zone. And, um, I, you know, that was a big turning point in my career. Yeah, I think that's really important because, you know, we, we know when something's not right. And I think one of the most profound pieces of evidence we have when something's not right is the amount of energy that it takes to ignore or suppress that thing that's not sitting right with us, right? And so I think, um, I think a lot of times we, we do things to avoid discomforts and they're really like putting Band-Aids on an infected wound. They don't make it go away and it usually just festers and the frustration or the overwhelm grows. And so what would you say, in your opinion, how did you get to that point where first you recognize like, okay, for sure, can't just keep going this way. And then how did you transition to taking action on what you needed to do? Yeah. So you, you said the words, it just didn't feel right, mm -hmm. uh, which is, was exactly how I felt. It just didn't feel right. I was always stressed. I was nervous. I was always afraid of getting sued. I was avoiding patients, patients and staff. staff. Um, I was watching and monitoring treatment instead of actually treatment planning and doing. Um, so I knew that something wasn't right and mm -hmm. I was getting to the point where I wanted to leave dentistry. Um, I regretted becoming a dentist and I actually wanted to go to law school so I could be the one doing the suing. That's how afraid I was of, of getting sued. I wanted to turn the tables. 
Um, but with the amount of debt that I was in, that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I said to myself, you know, you got to do something here because there's no way you can practice like this for the next, you know, 20, 30 years. And like I'd mentioned earlier, I was a psychology major at Tulane Mm -hmm. and I knew at some point I wanted to go through therapy and I just never did it. And I finally picked up the phone and I called a therapist and I started going every two weeks and we just kind of figured out what made me tick, why I was so stressed and nervous all the time. And, you know, a lot of it was just up here. It was just, you know, in my noggin. It was, you know, we went way back to, you know, why I was the way I was. And I ended up just getting more comfortable with myself. And that was a major turning point. point. Now, for me, it was going to a a therapist. And Mm -hmm. for others, it may be going to a coach, a consultant, a mentor, a friend, a peer. But I think reaching out to someone is, is really important um, because, you know, dentistry is a grind and it's a tough profession, um, but uh, dentists that you shouldn't feel like there's no hope, that, there, that you don't give into the false belief that there's nothing you can do. Uh, you just got to ride this out for the next 30 years. It's the profession you chose and it's just, it is what it is. It's just stressful. Well, that's not the case. It doesn't have to be that way. But you gotta look in the, you gotta look at the mirror and realize something's not right and there's a problem and then take action. And for me, that action was going to a, a therapist. Yeah, and I think that I think that there's really two parts to that. There's the there's the normal part. It makes a lot of sense that you put a lot of work into something, you, you know, you get your degree, you get your training, and then you expect that you're gonna feel really good because you're well prepared. But you're really well prepared in that specialized knowledge. You're not necessarily well prepared to handle the unforeseen stressors or overwhelm that you're describing, that kind of has to be like on the job learning. And so I like the the point you're bringing up that, because I hear it a lot as well, that it's kind of par for the course that if you're going to be in dentistry, you're going to be extremely stressed out. You're going to be extremely overwhelmed. You're going to have to give up a lot of the things you were hoping to do or be a part of in your life. And I just don't think that's true, but you're right. Getting that support system either around you or um, being willing to access and find resources outside of yourself so that you can have what you want for your dental experience is so, so important. Yeah, actually you mentioned being prepared. Um, I didn't feel prepared at all. So <laughs> okay. I, I got out of dental school with like minimal clinical skills mm-hmm. and I had no idea how to talk to a patient. Uh, you know, in fact, in dental school, we talked over the patient. We talked about the patient. Um, I didn't develop uh, good communication skills. I, had, I was totally not prepared for um, the real world of dentistry, dealing with insurance, dealing with, um, you know, staff, HR, um, you know, all that comes along with it. I was totally unprepared. Um, and it going back, I would have, um, I, I did have some good mentors. Um, I would have gotten more involved with mentors and peers, uh, if I could go back. Um, because that's really how you learn is, is, you know, through your peers and, and through your mentors. Um, but that was just me, you know, other, others are more prepared when they get out. Um, but I lacked maturity. I lacked the clinical skills, you name it. I lacked it. 
Well, and you mentioned communication, and I think that's really important too, because once you did start realizing, okay, there's certain treatments I'm not comfortable with, there needs to be conversations with patients sometimes, conversations with leadership, and really that starts with you becoming comfortable with that conversation before it ever takes place, knowing exactly how you feel and why, and then being okay walking into that conversation knowing hey, the, you know, the patient in the chair may not like that I'm going to make a referral or the leadership may not like that this isn't something I can do right now. So what is your thought on that? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Being prepared uh, to have that conversation. Um, you know, for me, it took years, but now I walk into the room and I give the patient my treatment plan. I educate them. And if they say no, then no worries. Um, I guess it wasn't a good fit. I did the best I could. Um, whereas when I first got out of school, I'd be so worried if the patient, you know, I'd ask the front desk, did they book? Did they book? Uh, and if not, what happened? Why didn't they book? Um, so as I got more comfortable with myself as a person and a clinician, then I just stopped caring about, you know, what others thought. And I'm not talking about, you know, like treatment or, um, clinically, I just stopped caring if they didn't want to, you know, move forward with treatment. Um, or if, you know, some, some, sometimes it's going to happen, but you're going to get a bad review. You know, I'm, I don't lose sleep if I get a bad review anymore because it's going to happen. You can't please everyone and you shouldn't, you should know your limits, your boundaries. Um, and you're going to have to say no, which sometimes is a tough conversation, but you know, now I walk in the room, I give the patient the treatment plan. Um, sometimes that involves a referral to a a colleague or another office and I don't let them talk me into uh, me getting out of my comfort zone but that you know how to really start with with me being comfortable with myself yeah and what I'm hearing you say is that you it's not that you don't care about them getting the treatment they need it's not that you don't care about them as a human but that you've decided to detach yourself from anything external impacting how you feel as a person and how you feel as a clinician. And I think that's really important. And I think one of the things that has to happen for that to actually come full circle is you've got to figure out what is a good clinician, in my opinion. Like, what does that look like for me? Certainly, it sounds like you've come to the conclusion that doing treatment that you don't feel comfortable doing doesn't fit within your definition of a good clinician. A good clinician wouldn't do that. They would do the things that they feel really confident doing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I call it blocky bucks. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get the actual you know, money for doing a procedure that I, I referred out, but I got blocky bucks, which means I got mental payment. So you know, for me, whatever I would have gotten paid for that treatment wouldn't have been worth it. And me not doing it was like mental payment. So, you know, there were some cases early on in my career that after I was done with that procedure, I'm like, I don't care what I just got paid. It was not worth it. So now I will take that mental payment and gladly refer a particular treatment or, or patient out. Um, because I can see it coming that it's just, just not going to be a good fit. And this is, you know, this is rare. Um, you know, I've, I know my skills, I know my, you know, my limits. Um, and you know, I treat most patients and most procedures, but it's, it's, you know, the, the 5% that I don't, that is like blocky bucks to me. 
Yeah. And I mean, I really think it, it transfers to other areas too. It could be treatment. It could be, um, it could be a lot of things, but knowing what you're truly comfortable with and proceeding that way, because really it's like a domino effect. If I do something I'm not comfortable with, it's not like as soon as that person leaves, I'm suddenly comfortable again. Now that's inside me. And I'm, I'm kind of in turmoil about that, trying to ignore that, trying to move on and focus on other things. But really I'm not because there was something not right. And I didn't follow through with what I wanted to follow through with. And now that's what's on my mind. And now it's kind of like running in the background. And then there's this, you know, even though you've got the detachment from whether or not you did the treatment feeling good, the reason you're not feeling good is because you didn't do what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. Also, I live and work in the same town. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'll see patients in the grocery store, at my kid's school. Yeah. And there was a uh, one of the other moms that was a patient of mine. And, you know, I thought the treatment went really well. I did an implant and, and some fillings. And next thing I know, she, you know, they're not, the family's not a, they're not patients anymore. And I don't really know what happened, if it was a change of insurance or if something didn't go right. But I see them at my kid's school all the time. And I used to get, you know, kind of awkward. Um, but now I just... You know, I don't, I, I don't let those little, little things, you know, sweat the, the little things anymore. Um, because, you know, you're not going to please everyone and you're, you can't be perfect. You know, dentists, uh, we strive for, for perfection a lot of times, but if you do that, you're, you're going to burn yourself out. Um, you know, it's okay to have a bad procedure, a bad day, a bad hour, a bad week. It's going to happen. And that's normal. Um, and everyone else, you know, no dentist is perfect. Every dentist is going to have, you know, a case that doesn't go according to plan. It's just, you know, the way it is, it's, it's going to happen. And I think that's a really tricky one because when you are taught to do things perfectly and you're striving for perfection, um, it's almost like you need to turn that dial down just a little bit when it comes to other things, because Otherwise, it could be very, very overwhelming, very consuming to try and always be on point with everybody. In fact, the consensus, there is no consensus. And so who's perfect are you following? <laughs> you know, you'd be running around trying to do way too many things, pleasing way too many people. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, you know, perfection is, is you know, it's, it's not realistic to be perfect all the time. Um, and also, you know, for me, you know, I'm really an introvert and dentistry is kind of, it's a very social profession. And for me, it was exhausting going from room to room. I'd have the patient, you know, in my operatory and trying to give that patient this great patient, mm-hmm. you know, this great experience. And then I have to pop over to the hygiene rooms and do the hygiene exams and give them this great experience. And they can't know that I'm exhausted or totally stressed out. So there's always that feeling like you have to be on mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, no one wants a, si- uh, you know, a sad, tired dentist working on them. So there is a little bit of that acting where you got to kind of be on mentality. And to me, that was exhausting. Um, and, you know, I know others that are more extroverts, they kind of feed off of that that energy. Um, but for me as an introvert, I decompress and re-energize by not talking to anyone and just kind of 
being quiet and alone. Um, so that part of the profession was exhausting to me. I'm smiling when you say that because you're describing yourself as this person who is very introverted, but you've got a book, you've got, I see you all over social. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. If somebody wanted to learn more about you and get in touch with you, how would they do that? Yeah. So I have a website called dealsfordentist.com. Mm -hmm. uh, I wrote a book called The Stress-Free Dentist, uh, just all about my journey about overcoming burnout and getting back to enjoying dentistry again. Uh, you can email me at info at the stress-free dentist, or you can find me on I Love Dentistry Facebook group or the Stress-Free Dentistry Facebook group as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share some of your journey. I think it's uh, really relatable to a lot of people. And it's just helpful to have a variety of people share their experiences. And so to, you don't feel alone and you can feel like, you know, what is needed. There's a, access to so many different resources and so many different ways to um, combat the things that might feel really overwhelming at times. So thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And to all of our listeners, until next time, let's keep moving forward. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools, as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.